I was listening to those lyrics. You know, when God reigns above it all, it's not that he's in heaven and everything that he reigns over is below him. He has authority over it all. He reigns over it all. And so that, uh, that's a great, great reminder. I ask you to take your Bible, turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Yes, we're still in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. No, we're not going to get done today, but we are going to cover three whole verses together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. If you're grabbing that pew Bible in front of you, it's on page 1,359. God puts a theme in my life each week, it seems like, as I prepare for this moment as we come together. And uh, so I'll start with this statement. Sometimes some of the hardest things in life are what's best for us. Just think about that. Sometimes some of the hardest things are what's best for us. Going to the doctor, going to the dentist, apologizing for something that we did. Or get this, apologizing for something that we didn't do in order to help mend a broken relationship. Difficult conversations, exercise, dieting. The list can go on and on of things that we might put under sometimes some of the hardest things are best for us. And it varies by individual what those things might be. I have uh, one son, I have two sons, but I have one son who is fearful of needles. I'm not just talking about scared. I'm talking about fearful of needles. And it was a from birth fear. Now, I don't know if you're that way or not, but when your children are little, we get vaccinations. You know, vaccinations, shots, they're good for our kids. They, they help them. Well, we would go to the doctor with this one, and it, he, he understood what was coming. You know, you get to be about two years old. And so my job, knowing that this was what's best for him, knowing that it was fearful to him, my job was to hold him. And I remember the day that we were in the pediatrician's office, and I was in charge of holding the two-year-old. Do you know two-year-olds can be really strong especially when they're driven by fear. And I would hold and I would hold, and as it got close, we had this strategy that they were going to give him two at one time. That way we don't have to go through this all at once. And so my job was to hold him in a certain way. And man, he was fighting me and fighting me and fighting me. And about the time they said, here we come, he jerked and I almost got his vaccination. <laughs> That's how strong he was. But that vaccination was what was best for him. And so we were going to figure out what it took to be able to make sure that he got that. Do you know that that two-year-old in my arms that I was trying to hold, that was he was fighting against that thing that was best for him in that moment. Do you know that we will do about anything we can do to stay out of hard situations? Today, you are probably avoiding a hard situation because it's just no fun to deal with, perhaps. But sometimes, some of the hardest things that we are to face are what's best for us. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to read three short verses. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we'll read verses 16, 17, and 18. Let's read this together. 1 Thessalonians 5, picking up verse 16, says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Thank you. You may be seated. Keep your scripture open. We're going to touch this scripture and others. Paul is nearing the end of this letter that he has written to the church at Thessalonica. And at the end of this letter, which is common with many of Paul's letters, he gives a lot of little short kinds of instructions. They're important. They're reminders. It's not just the end of a letter that you just go, and blah, blah, blah. No, we're really, as you can see, you're going, Jeff, we know. We've been in chapter 5 for a little bit now. But we're really going to take our time and see what, not just what Paul would have said to the church, but what God is saying to us, his people. But before we look at these three verses, I want us to go back to the beginning for just a little bit, and not back to the beginning like Genesis, but back to the beginning. If you've got your scripture open, just turn. It's one page of mine to chapter 1. Chapter 1's been about, uh, I don't know, not quite three months ago since we did chapter 1. But let me read verses 2 through 7, keeping it in the uh, context of where we're going today. It says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, picking up in verse 2, says this, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. And you guys probably remember that, that couple of sermons that we took to walk through that portion of chapter 1. But just to give you a summary, Paul is saying your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience in hope, the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through you, that you became followers, verse 6, of Jesus. That you faced affliction because of your faith in Jesus. But verse 6 also says that you're facing that affliction, that challenge, with great joy. And that you, through coming to know Christ, through facing affliction with great joy, are becoming an example to many. That's what we talked about in that verse. Do you remember that day in your life? What day? That day that you came to know Jesus as your Savior. That day that you submitted to the Lordship of Christ. That day that you desired to be faithful that you desire to be obedient in every area of your life, that day that you desire to live righteously before God. You, Jesus is my Savior. I will live for him. I will be faithful in all things. And then you know you run into this hardship and you, it's okay. I'm a follower of Jesus. I can be faithful in all of this. God is good. You remember that day? I hope you do. Now, there's two ways that you might have forgotten that day. One is that day may not have ever happened in your life yet. And if you do not yet know Jesus as your Savior, I want to tell you that you're in the right place, that God loves you. He sent a Savior 
a redeemer for you in Jesus. And we would love as a church for you to come to know Jesus in a real and personal way. And we'll walk with you, teach you about him, pray with you, and introduce you as God leads and guides. But another way that you might not remember that day is because since that day, a lot of junk has piled on. And you can't get through to it because so much stuff is laying on you because of that. You see, when you first come to know Jesus, you're basking in the newness of life and the goodness of God that you'll do anything for Jesus. Is that still true now? Is Jesus your Savior? And I hope the answer is yes, but more importantly, is He your Lord? Do you still live daily in the power of the Holy Spirit, following the truth of the Word? Are you an example still of faithfulness to younger Christians, as Paul talked about these people were in chapter 1? Or are you a faithful example to those that don't know Jesus yet? Or has living the Christian life become hard? Are you challenged to stay faithful among the challenges that you're facing? Many times because of your faithfulness. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says this, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Living faithful brings challenges. And so Paul gives us these great reminders. You see, a faithful life will bring challenges, but let me just go ahead and say this to you. A faithful life, you living a faithful life for Jesus is what's best for you. Let me reset this to make sure that Drew's got me turned on okay, because I got zero response there. Maybe living faithful for Jesus, church, is what's best for you. Amen? Amen. We need to recognize that and step into that, that living for Jesus in every situation is what's best for us. And so Paul, knowing that background, gives us three great reminders in today's verses. So back to chapter 5, back to verses 16 to 18 is where we are. Verse 16, rejoice always. Your translation might say, be joyful always. Two in the New King James, two simple words, rejoice always, and also two very, very challenging words, rejoice always. Joy from a Christian definition, because I have to caveat that, you know, this world has a different definition for joy than the Bible does, than God intends. You go look it up, joy equals happy. We're going to talk about that here in, in just a second. But joy, the Christian definition, the biblical definition of joy is a feeling of good pleasure. Catch this. That is based on who Jesus is rather than who we are or what our circumstances might be. Joy is a feeling of good pleasure that is based solely upon who Jesus is to you. Joy is not happy. Church, hear that. 
They are very different. Happy is what we feel when our situation and our circumstances align with what we desire. And when they don't, we're not happy. We're called sad. Joy, as I've shared with you, is a good pleasure that's based upon who Jesus is. Not who you are and not what your circumstances are. Joy should remain through all, just as Jesus remains through all. But that second word, always, you can define it as in every single case. To exclude none on every occasion. So we are to rejoice always, verse 16 says. We are to look at everything in our lives. Everything. Every time through who Jesus is. Joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. A choice to trust God. Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purposes. So if, you're, if you love God and you're seeking His purposes and you're led and guided by Him, then you will look at everything as knowing that God will make it good in the end. It does not mean that everything that happens is good. It just says that God can work it together for good. Yeah. Do you have joy? We might say, well, sometimes. Well, let me tell you what joy sometimes is. It's called happy. Because happy comes and goes. And if your joy comes and goes, it's not joy. You have an emotional feeling called happy. Does God want me to be happy? Doesn't God want me to be happy? Well, I think what I, I don't know that sometimes based upon some of the situations I face, but I do know what God wants. He wants for me and you to be holy. And so joy, do you have joy? And the way that you'll know this is, is do you have joy always? It's not that Paul says you need to have joy Paul actually gives us a double definition of joy. He says joy always. They sort of come together as a package because joy that comes and goes is not joy. What are you experiencing right now? Just think for just a second. If I had a pad and a piece of paper, I could write down a number of things that I personally am experiencing, those that I love are experiencing, those that I get to walk with are experiencing, what's going on in the world that I'm experiencing. I could write all that stuff down. You know, whatever it is, God knows. And God loves you. God has a purpose. And that God will lead you through it. If you trust him. And if you trust him, you will have joy because you trusting him causes you to see everything through who he is, not who you are 
or what situation you may be in. Do you know that having joy is what's best for you? It is. Two powerful words, rejoice always, and then Paul follows them up with three more words. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Now, this is not a command to offer nonstop prayers. I saw this quote about prayer. It says, in the Christian life, the act of prayer is intermittent, but the spirit of prayer should be incessant, meaning that you should open up a conversation with God. This is an attitude of prayer, opening up a daily dialogue with God. You know, sometimes when you get up, I don't know about you, but before I get up, I just sense the Spirit of God, and I want to pray, and for start, thanking for another day, but then recognizing, as I've shared with you, somebody's going to be glorified this day in my life, God. It's either going to be Jeff or it's going to be you, and may it be you. And then sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll get up, we'll say our prayer, we'll even have our devotion, and then we'll turn that part of our life off, and then we'll just keep right on going. And Paul is saying, no, you need to pray without ceasing. You need to open up a dialogue with God, and you need to keep it going. I find myself talking to God out loud in my car, walking up and down the hallway. People play think, he's crazy. Who's he talking to? Sometimes I'm talking to God and it's out loud. I find myself in a situation and I'm going, okay, God, I'm going to need you right now. Show me, lead me, guide me. To recognize every moment of every day you are in the presence of God. Psalm 116 verse 2 says this, Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. Get that image. God made you, loves you. Hopefully you have come to know Jesus as a Savior. And God from the throne of heaven is inclining himself to you. He is in position. That means that there is an expectation that God has that you're going to be speaking, and he's ready. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Do you know that when you're praying always, you're looking around. There's nothing going to sneak up and surprise you when you're walking in an ongoing conversation with God through the day. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Do you know that I could probably count, probably take more than one hand already, how Satan has tried to come upon me today with a call or a challenge or a fear or a concern or a doubt? But if you open up a dialogue with God and if you have this pray without ceasing kind of relationship going on with him, God will say, that's not me. You turn to me. You leave that to me. You set that down. You focus on me. God says when you're, instead of worry, you know, when you get a chance to worry, it's because God's not walking with you in that moment. But if he is in this praying without ceasing kind of attitude, God says, that's not me. Now, I've read a book, and I've passed out probably 75 of them. But in this book, one of the principles are we need to, Jesus said that my sheep recognize my voice. 
One of the premises are is we need to understand that the thoughts that come into our minds are either the voice of the shepherd, Jesus, or they are not. And I've had to come to recognize, and God's given me this abiding, a way to apply this in my life. I'm having to say, that's not what my shepherd would say. Praying without ceasing. Jeremiah chapter 33, 3 says this, call to me, that's God asking you to call to him, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Isn't that awesome? God says, there are things you don't know, and they're great and mighty, and I know them. And if you'll call to me, I'll show them to you. Are you walking daily with God? Your whole day, or as you are walking daily with God, your whole day becomes a conversation, an opportunity for God to remind you who he is and that you will begin to see him at work, that you will be able to be led by him in every situation, that you will carry a perspective that God is given to you through this. I do find as I carry on an ongoing conversation with God each and every day that it impacts how I see things and how I react to them. This can include praise, thanksgiving, intercession for others, personal needs. Again, praying in this manner is a choice. Can I just remind you that praying without ceasing is what's best for you? Two powerful words, rejoice always followed by three more important words, pray without ceasing. Now we get to, Paul gets rather lengthy here, four words. Look at what he says in verse 18. In everything, give thanks. Church, make sure you read that carefully. We are not told to be thankful for everything. You're going, whoa, hold it. Isn't that what that said? No, look at it. In Everything, give thanks. That's the big difference. We are told to be thankful in everything. We are told to look past the circumstance at who Jesus is and know that God is in control. Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12 say this, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward. We must trust in the sovereignty of God. Recognize his preeminence in all things. That God is bringing about his purposes. In everything, give thanks. Do you know that a thankful spirit does not come naturally to hardly anybody? It's a choice. Just like joy, it's a choice. Just like praying without ceasing, it's a choice. Thankfulness is a choice. This command is to be thankful no matter what happens. 
And we are only able to be obedient at this command through God's grace. Being thankful is trusting that what God has brought or allowed in your life can be for His glory and your benefit. Jeremiah chapter 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and hope. Do you know that God only has good plans for you? He only wants your best. Now, I did not say that everything that can come in and through your life is good. We've already been stacking scripture up to know that God is sovereign, causes or allows, lets all this happen for our good. Not that everything is good. God has only your good in mind. God is unable due to his character to do things that are not for his glory. And because of God's character of love, God is unable to do things that are not for your good. How you see things in your life is a choice. I was chatting with someone earlier this week, and uh, they've been facing a challenge. They've been walking through that challenge, and they were asked by someone if they were yet ready to see that challenge as being thankful for it. You know, we love getting through a challenge. But spiritually speaking, we should be thankful for the challenge. You can be thankful in everything. But I believe only if you're rejoicing always. I believe only if you're praying without ceasing that you have the opportunity to be thankful in all things. Being thankful is a choice, and it's also what is best for you. Look at verse 18. Let's just look at the bottom half of that. It says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, if, if I were a sentence diagrammer, this was some of my worst stuff in school, and so I'll probably be corrected by at least one person at home and multiple of people in the room. But let me tell you how I read verses 16, 17, and 18 in Jeff's grammar. You know how you define, how you, what would you, there's a word there, but I'm I'm missing it. Diagram a sentence and you break it all down into all its pieces and its parts. If I'm reading all of this, this says, for this, what's this? For you rejoicing always is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. For you to pray without ceasing is the will of God for Christ Jesus in you. For you to be thankful in all things is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. For you. Paul says, this is the will of God for you. If it's the will of God for you, it is best for you. And don't we want to know what God's will is? We spend our lives desiring to know what God's will is. And right now he says, I'm going to tell you, this is the will of God for you. 
This is not some kind of general revelation. This is a specific teaching just for you. And the will of God for you, just right here, is to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, to be thankful in all things. Got me started in other places. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, we talked about this, but that same phrase, this is the will of God for you, your sanctification. God desires to bring you from where he found you to more like his son, and that's the process of sanctification, and that's the journey that we're all on. And God uses many different means all under his control to help shape us to become like his son. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15 says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Think about what that said. This is the will of God. Your sanctification. This is the will of God. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Be thankful in all things. And that, when you do the will of God, you put to silence those that come against you. And I don't want us to view that solely as a you be quiet kind of putting silence. I think that it's in that moment where we are allowing God to shape us, rejoice, pray, thankfulness, sanctification, that we become the most appealing to this world. And when you stop their ignorance, remember we talked a few days ago, it's not that we're stopping their being dumb. Remember we talked about ignorance earlier in this book. Ignorance is not you're being dumb. Ignorance is you don't know yet. And what Paul is saying here and what Peter is echoing here is that when you do the will of God, you put to silence the ignorance, which means you help them to know. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 does not have the statement, this is the will of God, but it, it reads the same way. It says, God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The will of God for you, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Be thankful in all things. Your sanctification, silencing those who are ignorant, which means helping them know the truth so that they can, 1 Timothy chapter 2, 4, come to the knowledge of truth, which means come to know and accept Jesus as their Savior. Do you know that them coming to know Jesus Anybody in this room, on the phone, online, or whoever sees this in the future, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, or the stranger that you haven't even met yet, do you know that it is best for them to come to know Jesus? It is best for them, and we should desire that to see them come to know Jesus. And if you put this puzzle together backwards, you want to see people come to know Jesus? Let's fulfill the will of God. Let's rejoice always. Let's pray without ceasing. Let's be thankful in all things. 
Let's trust God that he's bringing about our sanctification. Let's put to silence those that are ignorant by teaching them the truth so that they come to know Jesus, which is best for them. So you're saying that if I will follow what Paul said in those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine words, that I can become like an evangelist or something? Yeah. When you will live that way with God daily, you will become appealing to this world and they will want to know what's going on in your life and then you'll get a chance to say, it's Jesus, it's only Jesus. This is what's best for you or best for them, which means it's what's best for us. Now, I shared with you months ago how this scripture meant a lot to me. Because when you face challenges, what you believe is how you live through a challenge. And I'm here to tell you that through the challenges I faced earlier in this year, physically and through all of that, and people keep asking me, Jeff, how you doing, how you doing, how you doing? And I'm going, I'm just hanging on. I'm just being faithful because I don't know. What I do know is that I'm supposed to rejoice always. I'm supposed to pray without ceasing. I'm supposed to be thankful in all things. I'm supposed to let God have his way to sanctify me. I'm supposed to be faithful to share the truth with those who don't know it. Whatever God chooses to do in my health, in my wealth, in my life, I'm okay with that because I trust him. That is a choice that we get to make as followers of Christ. And whatever comes, I'll be fine if I don't step away from doing these things. And whatever you're in, you'll be fine if these are the things that define you. Whatever you come into, you'll be fine if these are the things that define how you live because this is the will of God for you. You get to walk out today knowing something. What's the will of God for my life? Oh, this is the will of God. Amen? And let me tell you, if my life is any example to yours, you're going to be challenged to rejoice always. You're going to be challenged to pray without ceasing, and you're going to be challenged to be thankful in all things. But you being challenged does not mean it's not possible. God just called you to do it. He will enable you to do it if you make that choice. Amen?